podcast where we bring together coaches, athletes, former athletes, leaders, and influencers. Everyone has a story, and my hope is that when you listen to their stories, you will be inspired and live your life to tell your story one day. Today's guest is Kevin Eastman. Coach Eastman has 40 plus years of coaching experience. He also is a corporate speaker, a team speaker, and also now is an author. Why the Best Are the Best is a great read that I highly recommend. We talked to him today about having a growth mindset, being mindful of yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and how to find, follow, and fit knowledge into our lives. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you look to get better every day. Welcome to the podcast, Coach. No, my pleasure. Coach, I appreciate your time. Uh, you know, what what this means uh, to our community and our network of coaches now, uh, where we're at, I feel like it's, you know, it's really an honor. And so we'll just get, you know, get started with our first question, and that is, how were you introduced to the game of basketball coming out of New Jersey? Well, for me, it wasn't anything intentional. Uh, I came from a big family. We had uh, 10 kids, uh, so uh, we almost had a five-on-five five game ready to go at any time. <laughs> uh, so a couple of my older brothers, they toyed around with basketball, and then uh, my dad ended up putting a... Uh, a basket out back in their driveway. And I just started to go out there and, uh, you know, when you're one of 10, sometimes you get lost in the mix. Yeah. So for me, that was my time to just go out there and kind of do something that, that, uh, at the time I just enjoyed doing. And then enjoyment, uh, turned into something I really enjoyed doing. And then that turned ultimately into a passion because each time I was out there, it was more and more fun. So it wasn't anything earth-shattering. It just was a, uh, a progression that started really in, in my junior high years. Got you. Wonderful. So given your 40 years in the game and all the experiences you've had, uh, what, do you've, what have you learned about yourself throughout your career? Uh, well, I, you, you probably learn a lot of things, and sometimes you even forget some things you learned, but they yeah. help you at the time. Uh, for me, I guess I would say uh, one of the things is, you know, uh, my town is a town of probably uh, a little over 11,000, so it wasn't the biggest town in the country by any means. So how does a, a little shy kid go from uh, that to... Um, uh, you know, being able to accomplish and experience many of the things that I've done in my life. So uh, I guess the first thing I learned about myself is I love proving that I could do something. Not so much proving people wrong, but proving maybe to myself that I can do something. Right. And then uh, I've learned that I'm probably best when I'm challenged uh, in some form or fashion. I guess in today's world with today's vernacular, uh, that would mean, uh, I enjoy in, in certain circumstances being taken out of a comfort zone. Right. Um, and then of late, say the last 10, 15 years, uh, probably that I'm, that I'm here on this earth to, 
to help others, uh, to help uh, young people, whether it be in the sports world or the corporate world, get to where they want to go, um, reach all the goals they've set maybe as a, a young adult or an adult, and also to fulfill some of the dreams they maybe had as a little kid. So those things come front of mind first. Good deal. So a couple of things you said there, uh, and I've always been a proponent of this with young people because it could go the wrong route when you're talking about proving others wrong. It becomes about others. It doesn't become about self-mastery and, and accomplishment. And so you said, you know, proving yourself right. I think that's always the goal with any challenge that we face is that, you know, I need to prove to myself that I can do this. I don't care what anybody else thinks. I can move forward and uh, and be successful. And I think that's just a really key component to really hear, again, self-mastery and self-awareness. And, and I really appreciate you kind of saying that because that it, it just bears witness to me in the, in the thoughts and in the, in the way I've operated. So to kind of get into leadership, Coach, because I know you do a lot of communicating at the corporate level as well, uh, Given your experience with the Clippers back in 2013-14 and kind of the debacle that happened there, uh, how do you work through bad leadership when you're a part of that chain of leadership? Well, I, I think at its probably uh, most simple and foundational form, uh, what you have to do is, in a respectful way, just go about doing the job that you have or the role that you've been given, uh, doing it the right way and doing it the best way that you know how, um, because you're not in a position to uh, run the organization or run the team. Uh, ownership uh, is in a position to, to run the organization. So uh, when Doc and our entire staff got there, uh, that was our one goal, to just do the, the next right thing every day. And um, uh, and we just thought ultimately with our team anyway, with the, with the 13 players and everyone associated with just the team, maybe not the entire organization, uh, we were going to show them that, uh, that there is a right way to do things and you can still be successful doing it the right way. So that's how we went about it. Understood. So, Coach, uh you talk about Doc Rivers and how influential he, he was in your life. And, uh, you know, having been under that authority figure, how important is that, you know, as far as learning to be under authority before you're given authority? Well, it, it's a great way to phrase it, uh, what you just said. But, um, and, and I totally agree with that. I, I think the biggest thing is that, uh, you, you know, when you've not been in a position, that is above the position you currently hold, uh, that's a great learning opportunity. Uh, if you keep your eyes and ears open all the time, uh, you can maybe even get a head start on your own career by observing intently, uh, and I mean intently, uh, everything that the guy above you is doing. Uh, and whether it be a he or a she, uh, what have they done well? Uh, what has worked? What hasn't worked? How have they adjusted to the things that haven't worked? So I think when you're under uh, the, the leadership position, that's all about uh, uh, learning. 
And then once you get there, uh, you start to appreciate really how easy it was to be underneath leadership and not be the leader. Um, so I think it's a constant observation and study process. Uh, I think that is most important uh, in the whole process of yourself moving up that, that proverbial ladder that we're all trying to climb. So, so I like what you kind of alluded to there about learning from both the negative and the positive with leadership. That is uh, something my father taught me is that you can learn something from those who are doing things the right way and those who are doing th- things the wrong way. You learn what not to do. And then, of course, being, yeah. Yeah, being in that situation of uh, under authority, uh, you can relate better once you're at the top and you're, it, so to speak, uh, but when you're the one in charge, you're the one steering the ship, and you've got kind of the power, I guess, you can wield it correctly and not, you know, run over people, but relate to them. And like I, li- I like how you talk about intently listening and observing. Those are those are really important because I think even when you're the head coach and you're the leader, you're doing that maybe even much more, And which kind of leads me to my next question. Uh, how can leaders learn to embrace feedback or even criticism? Well, it, 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 I, to me, it's all about your mindset. Uh, I don't particularly see feedback uh, in a in a criticizing mode, um, regardless of the tone that the sender is sending the message. Uh, you have to be smart enough to understand that any type of feedback is an opportunity for growth and it's an opportunity for uh, educating yourself. So for me, uh, I, I, I take out the tone and just try and listen to what, what are they saying? What, what is the area of improvement? Uh, because that's how I see it. Not so much uh, what's the criticism, but what might be the area of improvement? Because some people don't know how to send messages. Right. The content is correct, but the the delivery is is, is totally off base. And we actually talk to players about that. You know, uh, I've had experiences in the NBA where guys have uh, great content to send to their to their teammates during the course of the game, but how they send it is in such a negative way that it's not even received, right. let alone acted upon. So I I, uh, I think it's up to us on the receiving end to filter out maybe uh, any of the, the, the negative or maybe even sometimes the harsh language and just get to the message uh, because uh, that that's when we can really learn. You know, it, 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 to me, feedback is all about educating, the opportunity to educate yourself and grow. Understood. So you talk in your book about truth. Uh, I think that, you know, to me, that's uh, really key. And I heard another coach say that we take truth over uh, harmony. And I think what you're talking there is like, take the tone out. Great phrase. Uh, I love that because sometimes do people do come at you a little awkwardly, uh, maybe because they're, they're in fear of what the retribution could be, or they're uh, just really not knowing who you are. And if you're able to just take the content, like you said, and take the tone out, you can always learn and grow. That's great, Coach. I appreciate that. So when coaches 
you know, because it's almost inevitable nowadays. You're going to have to go through some kind of uh, change of uh, vocation or you change directions of where you're working and you're being fired or dismissed at the time. How do coaches properly process that and deal with that? Well, it's probably an individual thing. Um, you know, when you get into coaching, there are certain things that you, you kind of have to understand. And I always use uh, Pat Riley, who uh, is, is now the president of uh, basketball operations for the Miami Heat, great coach in his day when he was on the bench. He used to have this saying, this term, uh, this quote that went like this, as coaches uh, were hired to be fired, we just don't know when. Yeah, and that really does kind of depict uh, the process for a, a you know a, a decent percentage of coaches. So I think it's all again about mindset. Uh, my wife always says to me, you know, I can't believe how you can always move on just to the next thing, and I think that's what you have to do. Yeah, because uh, when you get let go, uh, you obviously had some part of that particular team, uh, project, whatever the case may be, you had some part in that not going right. right. So to me, it's, it's you can treat it as devastation or you can treat it as education. And it's a choice you can make. Um, and maybe some will treat it as devastation, but at some point you got to wake up because there actually is a, a tomorrow yeah. and you have to get to it. And that brings me to what I think is, is probably, a, uh, to me, a, a, an important way to, to look at maybe uh, getting let go. And uh, that understanding the three most important days on the calendar. And those days are yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And yesterday is all about evaluation and education. What did I do? What did I learn? Okay, I didn't do enough to keep the job, so I got let go. What did I learn? So that's yesterday. Today is all about execution. Right? What do I need to do today to get back on track? Or maybe it's I'm getting into some other line of work. What do I need to do? And then tomorrow is all about preparation. As I keep moving forward from this, from this, uh, from being let go. How can I prepare myself so that I'm ready for each new day? So um, for me, uh, that's kind of how I, I would look at that. And um, nobody wants it to happen to them. Yeah. But I think that's exactly what it is. It's, it's something that happened to you. It's not who you are. Unless you let it keep happening to you. Oh, wonderful. Then yeah. it really is who you are. Yeah. No, that's great because I think our our uh, egos definitely take a hit uh, because everybody has one, whether they want to admit it or not. Uh, but I think to continue to be confident in your leadership prowess, you really need to approach it the way you're you're recommending, and I think that's great, Coach. Also, you brought up your wife. Tell her thank you for kind of getting on you about writing that book. Why the best are the best. Uh, it's really been helpful. Yeah. Here again, yesterday, today, and tomorrow, that concept is in that book. So for coaches out there that haven't read it, need to pick it up. Very, very good for, for leadership 
because we all want to be the best. And, that, and that's the reality because people will tell you, hey, you know, coach, you're the best. Uh, but, you know, going back and reflecting and, and taking uh, kind of inventory of what you are, who you are, what you've done, what you're looking to do. Are you really the best? You know, and I think that that it's definitely it will assist in that. So moving on, how can leadership because this is a tough question, I really, but I think our, our listeners who are, who are mainly comprised of college coaches can really, uh, it can really pay dividend in, in kind of coming up with some concepts of how to uh, take care or, I don't know, manage the situation that's in college athletics right now as far as kids transferring. How do either coaches, leaders, or institutions themselves work to retain student athletes? Thank goodness for all of us coaches that are that uh, for our marriages, our wives didn't have an opportunity to go into the transfer portal <laughs> because we are so tunnel visioned yeah. uh, with yeah. what we do. <laughs> Many of them may want to do a transfer. So thank goodness for that, first of all. Uh, in particular, um, you know, uh, I had this question posed to me when I was doing some consulting uh, for the NCAA. Uh, relative to, to coaches in the transfer situation. And, and they said something alarming me to, alarming to me, some of the coaches in the, in the audience. They said, you know, uh, it's almost like college basketball is no longer coaching. It, it's all about um, maintaining your roster yeah. because there's going to be so much uh, movement each and every year. And that's yeah. unfortunate. So, uh you know, the, the, the first thing that I said to them is, okay, if you're going to have a lot of movement, then you've got to understand how do you, how can you keep your core? Uh, because that's what the pro teams do. Yeah. And I, I told them that too. Look, if, if, if this is truly the way it's going to go, then if I were you guys, I would get together with general managers of the, the pro team that's closest to you and figure out, because that's, you know, that's a professional thing, free yeah. agency, right? Yeah. We're used to it in the pros. It's a way of life. So learn from them. How do you manage a roster? How do you how do you maintain a culture when there's constant change? So uh, that was the first thing. Uh, the second thing is, and the pros try to do this as best you can, making sure if 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 anyone stays, it's your core guys. So uh, how can you how can you keep your core guys engaged and and um, committed to your program. Right. And to me, it's all about relationship building. It's about uh, having fun because I, I, I think that's a component. Yes. Every championship team will tell you uh, it's hard, but they didn't, they enjoyed it. It was yeah. fun yeah. going through it. And then the third thing is growth. Uh, do they feel that they are getting better uh, each year? So those now you can break each of those down on how to do each, but those are the overriding ones for me uh, as to maybe how to keep uh, more of your student athletes. But uh, I, I think the relationship is the big thing, right? Because it would be hard for any of us to leave a place where we love it and love the people. Yeah. Definitely. So um, and relationships take a while. You got You got to spend time. Yeah. Uh, relationships are not easy. You got to work at them. They're easy to, it's like trust. It's easy to break, 
uh, but it takes a long time to build. build. Yeah. Wonderful point, Coach. I appreciate that. Uh, so you talk in your book about, and, and generally when you do interviews, you, you mention the term to be a learn-it-all instead of a know-it-all. And I love that because I've run across too many know-it-alls and I haven't learned anything from them. Um, or, or I should say I've learned how not to act or how not to conduct myself. But mm-hmm. in that, being a learn-it-all, knowledge is very vital for growth. But how important is the application of that said, that said knowledge? Yeah, well, uh, we can be a storing bin, which is the actual acquisition of knowledge. Um, but, and, and we probably all do that just naturally. We just store some knowledge. Yeah. But I know what's helped me in my career and, and being able to move up the, this, this, this ladder is uh, I have tried to really evaluate the knowledge that I do bring in and figure out uh, how can I use this? Because all of us are on a seek and find mission, whether it be seeking and finding new terminology, seeking and finding a new drill, seeking and finding new ways to do things, yeah. seeking and finding uh, ways to, to become more successful and grow, whatever your seek and find mission is. I think most people who are average or a little above average do that. But where we can separate ourselves to be getting to that uh, top, whatever percentage it is of successful people in the in the business or the craft that we are in, is not just to seek and find, but to take the next steps, and that's the to think and apply. Yeah. Think about the knowledge I just gathered, and then see how I can apply it in my life, uh, my career, my job, uh, because that's 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 what I do with all the knowledge that. I input in, into my brain because uh, that that old uh, saying I believe is really true. Success does leave footprints. Yeah, and if you're wise enough, you are going to do three things: you're going to find them, you're going to follow them, and then you're going to fit them. You're going to find the people who were successful. Those are the footprints. Yeah. Then uh, you're going to follow them. You want to learn as much as you can about them. Uh, maybe YouTube they're on. Maybe books they've written. Maybe articles they've written. Maybe articles they've been in. Maybe an interview you see. Uh, so you follow them. And then the third step is you have to fit them. Because not everything that I've learned from every coach fits my philosophy, my style, uh, those sorts of things. So the fit then becomes the part. And the fit comes in because of the sustained thought you put in to the knowledge you acquire. Wow. Good stuff, Coach. Like, I've always had this idea and understanding that knowledge is great and, and, it, and it goes a long way, but the application of that knowledge is in turn wisdom. And you made reference to being wise about it. And so I think that that really, uh, here again, is something we can all take with us as far as, like, let's let's be more wise about you know, the knowledge you talk about, you know, find, follow, fit. That's fantastic when it comes to, to the people that, you know, we look to connect with in, in all that. So my next question has to do with, I, I took a different perspective when I read your book about sacrifice because on, on, on this podcast, I always ask the question to coaches because it's important. What do you sacrifice to do what you do every day? 
But when I read the book, it talked about kind of taking the approach of deposits, sacrifices are deposits. And that kind of gave me a paradigm shift in a sense, because I was like, okay, whoa, you know, here I am posing the question as if it's some kind of uh, form of martyrism. And, uh, and now here I am now looking at it, okay, it's a deposit and it's something we can look forward to seeing a return on in a sense. What are some significant deposits, sacrifices you've made throughout your career in coaching and, and now as a communicator? Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, sacrifice is a, a word that gets thrown around a lot, you know, and, and um, it's probably a word we don't think about. And if we do think about it, uh, it probably is in that, uh, you know, what am I giving up? And, and that's kind of what you said. Yeah. And um, I think if you, if, you, if you switch your mindset, like it was when I interviewed Beth Mallon uh, for the book, she's a play-by-play announcer for ESPN and CBS. And, and she said, I like to, instead of using the word sacrifice, I like to call them deposits because when you're passionate about what you do, it doesn't feel like you're giving up anything. Right. You're just doing things to make you better. So that's the way I look at it, too. But there are things that along the way you probably do give up. Um, and those are tough ones. Uh, like for me, it was um, family time because uh, I was away from home so much. That's a tough one. And you can't, uh, what they say is true, you can't get those those years and times back. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing was uh, I wasn't always available in the friends category. You just go out and do things. Yeah. Uh, because maybe I had to spend more time watching film or I, when I was recruiting, I had to get on the phone uh, on a Friday night. Uh, so there are things that you give up. Um, so I, I don't want it to seem like uh, everything is, 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 is totally positive. Right. But how you look at it. Um, and then, you know, that brings me something to something that I wish I was better at when I was younger, and that's uh, being more efficient with my work. Wow. But I think that's hard to do sometimes when you're young. Uh, yeah. Uh, because you haven't had enough experience to know the shortcuts. Yeah. To get the same thing done in less amount of time. Yeah. So I would throw those thoughts out relative to your question. So like you talk about, because we have a lot of young coaches that listen as well to work more efficiently, uh, kind of the, the old adage of working smarter, not harder, because young, as young people, we want to just work hard at what we're passionate about and just keep grinding, grinding, grinding and not understand that maybe there's a, like you said, a shortcut, but not necessarily to, to cheat the process, but a better way to get through the process. So I think it's a great point you bring up coach. Uh, so here, we, I ask every guest this question because I think it's so pertinent and vital to kind of where we're headed in our careers and in our lives to look at, okay, how am I laying the foundation for my legacy? What am I doing today? Like you talked about yesterday, today, tomorrow. What am I doing to lay out a legacy and how I'm impacting others? Like you talked about earlier, helping others. Uh, so what do you want your legacy to be, Coach, when it's all said and done? Well, I think a couple of things about this, this concept of, of legacy. Uh, number one is a lot of people think uh, uh, they can never leave one. 
Uh, and in fact, uh, everyone has the opportunity to lead one because as Maya Angelou said to Oprah Winfrey when they were talking about Oprah's school that she has over in Africa, uh, Oprah said, well, gosh, I, I don't know if I can leave a legacy. How can I do that? And Maya Angelou looked at her and said, uh, a legacy happens one person at a time. Yeah. So it's that one conversation. It's that one encounter. It's that one um, example you left for someone. Those are legacy building uh, actions. And you really have an opportunity to leave a legacy every single day yeah. because most of us are in front of people every single day. So um, mine is not real big, uh, but uh, it's something that I, I try to do uh, as often as I can and certainly when it presents itself. And that is simply this, to help impact and inspire as many people as I can uh, to reach their goals and fulfill their dreams uh, for their lives. And if I'm able to do that, then uh, that's a pretty good legacy. Definitely. Coach, I appreciate your time. I appreciate what you're doing for the game, for us leaders, and even for the corporate world, because even the corporate world has an effect on all of our daily lives, whether we want to admit it or not. Uh, you know, the, the market that we live in, the world that we live in, uh, so I appreciate your influence and impact on, on all of our lives and the way you've inspired us all to get better as leaders. So here again, thank you for your time. I really do appreciate it. No, uh, the, the, the pleasure has been all mine, Mike, and, and uh, I love what you're doing and uh, keep doing what you're doing because as you grow this thing, uh, you're going to have that opportunity to impact and inspire a lot of people out there with your listeners. So best of luck with it. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Creative Coaching Podcast. You can find us at iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, and you can even follow us on Twitter at Creative Coach 4-7. Thank you.